G'day and welcome to Green and Gold Rugby Pod Slam 102, the Squadcast, a special. Uh, it's Matt Rowley, and uh, tonight we're going to be talking to you about the squad of 25 who have been announced today to play the Lions, the British and Irish Lions. Joining me, I've got uh, a bit of an old guest here. He kind of comes back every now and again, and he's just about to go off playing rugby in far-flung places of the world. Mr. Timms, mate, how are you? I'm doing all right, mate. Not too bad at all. I've yeah. had a beer, calm my nerves, yeah. ready <laughs> to, get, to go. To calm down over the outrage. I mean, yeah. It, it well, must be boiling up there in Queensland. Yeah. Well, actually, it's pretty cold. I, I don't like to complain after hearing about people in London and places like that, but mm. I've been pretty about, cold. I was talking about the, the, uh, the blood boiling, mate, the outrage. Up oh, the blood boiling. Yeah, yeah. that goes without saying. Yeah. Someone said Waratahs once. We're still pissed off about it. <laughs> Angry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And no, it's... Uh, <laughs> Well, another man will find out how angry he is, um, or not, is Scott Allen, mate. How are you? I'm really good. I'm calm as. Yeah? I picked 23 of the 25, so I knew what was coming. Yeah, you, you were prepared. Yep. <laughs> no surprises. Well, there were, there were a couple, but yeah. we'll get to those. Yes, okay. Um, yeah, but there was no earth shatterers. I think you had to be deluded a bit, didn't you, to, to be really earth shattered by this one? Um, and there are a few deluded people out there. But anyway, uh, I think we've been talking about some of those things for a while. Um, I should say, as uh, usual, we're sponsored by Strike GPS Tracking, uh, keeping your assets in check, whether it's one vehicle or a fleet of 10,000. Um, so actually, I'll tell you what. Let's see if we can get our guest on. I've just got a message through from him. Looks like he's ready to go now. Um, and I'll, I'll give him a call. Live on air. Yeah, live on air. We don't usually do this live. Mystery but guest. Mystery, mystery guest. guest. See if you can guess who he is by his voice when you're here. He's an old green and gold rugby favourite. It's ringing. Hello. G'day, Bob. It's Matt Rowley. Oh, g'day, mate. How are you? Good. How are you? Mate, you... I, didn't, I didn't hear the phone anyway. Oh, well... We've got you yeah. now. That's all right, mate. We're, yeah. we're we're live and recording. Well, not live, but we're recording. Um, okay. I've got um, a couple of guys you've, I think you've talked to before. There's uh, Steve Timms. Hey, Bob. Hi. And, uh, hey, Scott, Bob. and Scott Allen. Hi, Bob. Hi, Scott. How are you? Good. But, uh, That's good. But Bob, so I've seen the team. Yeah, mate. You've had a look? I have. What, what are the headlines? Well, they were let off the hook a bit by a couple of injuries. Um, so, uh, you know, that helped. Well, George Smith's injury meant uh, they didn't have to make a decision there. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I was uh, I was thinking that uh, Douglas's injury, but Kane probably wasn't at the forefront of, um, of uh, selection, although I think he's playing very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the big, the big, uh, the big things. Quade Cooper, no place for Quade Cooper, which was, I suppose, in lots of ways anticipated. But most of the um, judges with reputations um, have picked Quade Cooper. Um, 
Jesse Moggs a, a bit of a uh, surprise omission, I suppose. Uh, you would have thought they could find a space for him somewhere. Um, it came down, obviously, one-on-one uh, uh, -on -one, um, with him and Israel Folau, I guess. But um, I suppose another surprise selection is no no second scrum half, no Nick White. Mm. And people are suggesting that uh, that points to the possible um, selection of... Um, Luke, I can't Luke, his name. Luke Burgess? Uh, Luke Burgess. Um, I, I haven't seen Luke play recently. Yeah. I saw him play earlier in the season. I haven't watched too much French rugby since. Um, I didn't think he was special at all, but anyway, perhaps he's played well uh, in recent times. Mm. So, so you, you talked about you know a lot of commentators had Cooper at ten. What was your thinking? I had Cooper at ten. Mm. Um, I think he's a I think he's a massive talent, and it's actually the role of the coach to get the best out of talent. Mm. Um, However, um, it's possible that some people don't work uh, with some people and maybe some people don't work with certain tactics, but um, I, I, would have thought, uh, I would have thought he has enough ability to be able to work with. I think, he's, I think his defence, while his defence is never going to be sensational, I think his defence has improved a lot and I think it's adequate and as, as good as a few others. Mm. Um, Anyway, um, there's uh, there are some other possibilities. Certainly, Beric Barnes has done himself uh, no harm at all in his in his two cameo performances um, in the last two weeks. Mm. Played better than he did before he was injured, actually. So yeah. Well, the thing is, though, um, Robbie came out today in that press conference, and he's nailed his colours to the mast with the ten. He said O'Connor, James O'Connor, is his ten. And that's who he wants to, to play there. Now, I, I know we've talked to you before about this. I mean, I think you've got some ideas about O'Connor at 10, haven't you? Um, yeah, I mean, O'Connor's a very good player. Mm. And he was, he was in my squad and uh, he was in my 15, uh, but not at 10. Mm. Um, I, I think that the best players at, at 10 are ones that, don't have a need to don't have a need to be in the forefront of every play. They can contribute to every play, but they've got the psychological ability to not have a need to be a major contributor. Yeah. Some people, some the best fly half can see opportunity two or three passes away, but people that have a need to be heavily involved either have to be at the forefront of the play themselves or, at worst, can I say for them, at worst, to make the play just one pass away, like to, in, in colloquial terms, to put someone through a gap. Mm. Now, uh, and I think O'Connor is part of that, um, but I think he always needs to be doing something with the ball, either, either with the ball in hand or with one pass. Um, and I'm, not, and I'm, I'm, I think you can shut people like that down too easily. Uh, anyway, um, he's a huge talent. There's no doubt about that. And mm. um, and maybe Robbie's right, and 
I'm wrong. It won't be the first time I've been wrong. <laughs> well, it seems to be. There's, I mean, there's a bit of a, a battle of the mind games going on here, or it seems to be because, you know, Warren Gatlin's come out and kind of said he said off the bat, well, you know, I can't imagine anybody leaving out Quade Cooper. Um, do you think he would have been fearing Cooper or do you think maybe he would have been looking at Cooper as a bit of a weak link as far as being able to put some pressure on him like some New Zealand teams of the last couple of years have been? Yeah, I, I would have thought, um, I would have thought uh, he'd be thinking a bit of both. Mm. I would have been thinking Cooper will give us opportunity, but he'll also give us threat. Mm. I'm not too sure if uh, if New Zealand teams are able to put a massive amount of pressure on Cooper as much as as much as Robbie put pressure on Cooper. Right. And I thought I thought in the World Cup Robbie took away most of um, Quaid's self belief. I mean, if you choose someone to fly half, and then you say, "Okay, you're not going to play fly half in defence," fine. That's that's one thing you, you can get away with that by saying, "We like your capacity to counter attack, um, and so you're useful back there for us." And in lots of ways, um, Dan Carter finds himself fielding a lot of kicks, um, finding himself somewhere back in the fullback or assistant fullback role. Um, so he's not the first fly half to to be given that role. So that's fine. But then he took a, then he took away Quaid's position at fly half from first phase play and played blindside wing there. Mm. So I'm quite on thinking this bloke hasn't got any belief in me at all. Right. Um, I'm not playing fly half in attack first phase, and I'm not playing fly half in defence. What what role do I have to play in this team? Mm-hmm. And uh, that would seem to me that that would make you start to question just what you, what you're doing there. And you say so your instincts go um, in much the same way, I suppose, uh, as a week ago, one week ago, Jesse Mogg's instincts seemed to go out the door with the with the crazy, in my opinion, at least crazy um, tactics that the Brumbies had against the Crusaders. Um, and that probably counted against Jesse Mogg that, that that single game. So, um, anyway, the one, one thing I know for sure from experience is whatever a Kiwi coach says about your team, don't believe it. <laughs> Pinch of salt time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a gigantic con or, or sent there to confusion. Yeah. So, Bob, if we look at the squad, and in particular that choice at fly half, what do you think that tells us about the potential game plans? What are the Wallabies looking to do? Um, well, one thing, James O'Connor has got all the, all the skills at his disposal. He can run, he can pass, and, he, and, and he's a reasonable kicker. Um, he... he he rarely kicks a torpedo kick, which, in fact, I don't know that I've ever seen him kick a torpedo kick, but, um, and I think that's a bit of, it's not Robinson Crusoe these days in that department. I mean, a good thing about a torpedo kick is you can make it skid off the grass, and if you can drop it in behind the winger, in between the open side winger and the, or any winger in the fullback on the angle, then it'll skid, and it's very difficult to feel, whereas the pop gun uh, drop pump thing, um, often sits up. 
uh, in, in a lot easier to cover. So I think you need both those kicks at your disposal. Everyone says the drop punt's more accurate, but I don't know. Johnny Wilkinson's not too bad uh, with um, with the torpedo kick, and I wouldn't have thought Michael Lyon was all that bad some years ago as, as well with, with accuracy. So um, on the other hand, O'Connor can... O'Connor can be the first line of defence. So, um, and if if he looks to be getting second touches, although I've never seen any of any of Robbie's teams play looking for a second touch. But if uh, if you think O'Connor, if he could, if they could play a sort of game where his midfield limited the drift of uh, the opposition defence. And uh, Connor can get some second touches. That he could be, uh, he, he could be very dangerous. He's also got excellent pace, much more pace than I thought he had when he first came on the scene. When I criticised his selection on the wing, only, only to be uh, proved incorrect yet again, um, because he does have, he does have genuine pace. So, do you see it then that O'Connor's playing a shorter ball to 12 or, or maybe 13, coming back under, and then looping around? So that they're not trying to play the wide game that they might have quite with there. Um, I wouldn't. I, no, I wouldn't say a shorter ball to someone coming back at the angle. I'd, I'd say just people running straight to limit uh, to limit um, the drift of opposition defences. If you if you play straight and relatively flat, and I'm sure he'll do that, um, then people drift at their peril because uh, you, you're on top of them, be, and they. The defender opposite you begins to doubt whether the inside defender can get to you. So they're then in two minds as to whether they have to hold or whether they can go. And if you can start to get defences in two minds, you're um, you're half a chance to beat them. So Bob, I remember um, you've watched. You obviously watched a lot of uh, Northern Hemisphere rugby, and uh, I remember talking to you back in 2009, um, the Last Line series, and I know you were very interested in, in some of their tactics, and we're going to be looking at some of those things over the coming weeks, because one of the things that we kind of spotted there is that there's a lot of the same coaches and same players as, as 2009. Um, uh, you know, you've got you know Gatland and two of his assistant coaches were in that team, and then obviously people like O'Connell, O'Driscoll, um, you know Roberts, uh, you know the, the the Welsh halfback, all those guys were there as well. What are you expecting to see out of this Lions team? And do you think the people you see on the paper here from the Wallabies can they cope with it? Uh, yeah, I, I I sort of see us as having a slight favouritism. Um, they'll they will definitely try to restrict our capacity to play. Um, now, the, the Welsh have, have seen for the last umpteen times we've played them um, that if they let if they let this Wallaby team play, we, we've got the capacity to beat you. Um, that's not to say we're all attacked by any stretch of the imagination. We've defended excellently against the Welsh and this team has a distinct Welsh flavour, obviously. Fifteen, mm-hmm. I think, Welsh members in the squad. Um, so they will be saying, "We want to, sh- we want to shut them out of the game." Sometimes you play a Northern Hemisphere team and you lose, and after the game you say, 
how did we lose? They didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, and when you look back at it, they they did a lot in actual fact. They didn't do things in our traditional way of thinking about a game, but they did plenty in limiting your capacity to play. Now they will they will try and they will certainly certainly try and shut us out, shut us down at scrum time. But I don't think if the game's refereed properly, I don't think we'll have any uh, too much problem there. We'll have to work hard, obviously, but I, I think we can handle that. Um, I thought we might have an advantage at lock, but since the team's been chosen, the Lions team's been chosen, I've had a good look at it. I don't think we'll have too much advantage uh, at, at lock at all. Um, mm-hmm. There's some there's some very good players in the Lions side, but there's some very good players in this in this Wallaby team. If you look at the players who've been omitted, that's a, a sure sign that. Um, We've got a good side because you could probably line up oh, half a side at least of players that could just as easily have been in the team. And if you wanted to look at some young up and comers who I've got, I've got no, I've got no problem with choosing young up and comers because I often think they offer more than some guys whose appetites for the game have been jaded a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, um, we, you know, we could we, we could come up with another half dozen more. So. I, I, I think uh, I think this is a good side, and um, if we prepare properly, we'll have to be tough. And uh, someone said, "Will will we'll ask me recently? Will our players be ready for a tough series?" And I said, "Without any warm-up games." And I said, "Train tough." Yeah, that, that, that's that's easy, um, and. The, the games that the Lions have in warm-up, for the most part, will be against super rugby sides without their top players. Yet all of our preparation will be against super rugby sides with their top players. So, you know, I, I don't see our preparation as being any worse than theirs. And I'm not, I'm not big on, on, on combinations that people talk about. You know, will they have enough combination? And I said, well, if you do things right, you combine. If yeah. you don't do things right, you don't combine. Mm-hmm. When you've played together for five years or five minutes. Um, so the insistence has to be on on accurate technique and uh, accurate application of technique under pressure. And once again, that's practice. Mm-hmm. That, um, that, that's attention to detail in the, in the practice sessions um, so that people can't do anything which is not accurate um, because it's been hammered into them for the weeks. And yeah. Mate, l- last question. Um, Falau, would you, mm. would you uh, pick him in the 15? And, and if so, where would you put him? Yeah, I'd pick him at 15. Um, he's a... I mean, if Kirtley Beals around, you might think mm, Kirtley's been there and done it. But... Uh, um, Falau has improved so much in the last six weeks, say, or eight weeks, but especially his performances in the last, say, four weeks, um, that, is, is there another three games to go or something? Yeah. Um, uh, three, three Super Rugby games? You'd have to think if he continues that, then um, he's got plenty going for him. Now, in, in, the game, um, in the game against the Brumbies, he didn't have many opportunities. He was he was um, denied too much space. Um, 
and you, you would often think that a player that maybe was a little bit fragile might not might not aim up under those under those conditions, but he did. He did everything that was asked of him very well, uh, and I think there's there's more to come for him. I, I think he's a special player. I, I think that sometime down the track he'll he'll play in midfield, and I think he'll be special. He's, he's he looks a lot like Sonny Bill to me. Right. Yeah. A big, a, a great attacking threat. And uh, can get his arms above the tackle very well. Yeah. And um, people think if you get your arms above the tackle too much, you're going to finish up with damaged ribs. But doesn't seem to worry Sonny Bill. So, uh, <laughs> so okay, um, but maybe it won't worry him. So just finishing off, I mean, you're sounding pretty uh, positive and optimistic, which is nice. Um, you see this series going the right way. Yeah, we're, we're, we've got to play it, of course, and mm. it, it's not over till the last game's played. In in 89, when I had the team, we we trounced them first test, I think four tries to nil, and lost the series. It was, was touch and go, mind you, but we lost the series. Where in the last series, in um, when when Rod, Rod McQueen was coach, we, we lost the first test, hands down, and we won the next two, but it was touch and go. So mm. it'll be touch and go again. They're, they're tough and it's a, it's a very good team. There's some very good players in this team. And perhaps unlike some of the other teams, they're a lot they're a lot bigger in the backs, but that doesn't mean they're a lot better. Okay. Well, look, mate, we really appreciate you coming on. It's always great to talk to you. Um, you know, and it sounds like you're, you're doing well down there. Uh, yep, I'm, uh, I'm on the improve. Uh, I'm surprised at how long it takes to get you. I could hardly say I was fit, but fit for a bloke my age. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm surprised at how long it takes you to get your fitness back, but it's getting there. Good one. All right, mate. Well, look, it's great to talk to you. Thanks for your thoughts, and um, maybe we'll, we'll pick your brains again before this series is over. Good show. Thanks a lot. Thanks, See you later, Thanks Bob. Thanks, Cheers, Bob. Bye. Bye. See you. Bye. Good one. Always great to talk to the, the great man. Yeah, it's a, he's in, yeah. It sounds like he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, and it's nice to hear some, it's nice to hear some positivity as well. Um, yeah, you know, and he, there's a guy who you know we talk about the '89 series, and there's a guy who's been there and done it and, and seen quite a few things. Um, but like everybody else, so why don't we kind of move through? What we'll do now is uh, go through the line squad. I thought we'd probably start with the admissions and some of the talking points that brings up, and then. We can uh, tidy things up by then going through uh, who's in after that. Um, and then we'll do a really express view through the Super Rugby this weekend um, and, uh, and a very quick look ahead to next week uh, so that you get all your normal podcast goodness as well. Um, so I think we touched on it with Bob. The one that I guess it wasn't a surprise to anyone, hopefully, by the end, but it was probably the biggest talking point is no Quade Cooper. Um, probably the bit that I've been interested by, and we touched on it with Bob there, was at the presser, Deans was very upfront about who he saw his 10, though, and it's James O'Connor. What does that make you think, Scott? Well, I wrote an article about, I think, three weeks ago and said that James O'Connor would be the 10 mm. um, because I think he suits the game plan that Robbie Deans wants to play, which is conservative, keep it tight, give the ball to 12 or give it to Tamani outside from a line-out, and they just crash the ball up. And then, you know, you look to play off maybe second or third phase rather than 
Cooper's specialty is he can throw that long, flat ball and he can put guys into holes. But there is a risk with that that the guy overruns it or Mm -hmm. passes slightly forward. You take a little bit of a risk. And I don't see Robbie Deans wanting to take any risks. Mm -hmm. I see him wanting to say, minimise the mistakes. So Cooper doesn't suit that game plan. So in that in that regard, there was no surprise to me that Cooper wasn't picked. What what I find hilarious is that you know he's saying if Cooper defends in the front line, he'll be in the mix and he could still make it. I think that's an absolute lot of nonsense. Mm. They're going yeah. into a three week. He's never going to make it. Mm. Yeah, well, look, they're going to a three week camp, and they're going to have two weeks with this squad, the twenty five, and then there's the potential for the other guys to come in for one week. In that one week, are we seriously thinking that the whole back line that have practiced one way for two weeks is then going to have a week to get used to Cooper's completely different way of passing the ball and the flatness that he plays at? That, that just makes a nonsense of it. You wouldn't do that to the outside players. No. no because I... you'd mess up all the work you'd done in the last two weeks. So he's just not going to be there. No, it's, it's an easy get-out, isn't it? Because it's a way of... It's telling a truth in that, yeah, you never know. There could be four massive injuries that happen. You know, James O'Connor could go down. Christian Leliofano could go down. Um, and actually, even before him, you know, Berwick could Arms. go down. Yeah, exactly. Um, if that happened, then yes, we might have to think about <laughs> bringing him in. But, you know, so I guess he's, 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 tell- he's not telling a lie. But it, to your point, it's just not practicable. So anybody who's sugarcoating the fact that he ain't playing exactly. So anyone out there who's got their last and I, I, it's been. I mean, I think people have been saying maybe or thinking. I don't know. I've been reading into this, but people think maybe we've been being negative about it. Just, but it's been trying to shake people awake to say this is. It's been going like this for ages. You wrote that article about it. Um, everyone's been looking at it. Dean's has been telling us it, and yet all the pundits, like Bob said, every single pundit's come out and said, oh, "I'd have Cooper at ten. I think it's going to be Cooper at 10. And, it's just not going to be. It's it's done. And whether that's whether the personalities things have anything to do with it, who knows? Um, I saw again. Dean's today said, "No one believes me, but it actually isn't about the personalities," <laughs> um, which I thought sometimes is a bit of a tell. But anyway, um, well, I must say, I, I wouldn't have Cooper at ten either, mm. for the, ver- the very reasons I just gave of how he's going to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, I think just about every other. Um, commentator or punter, as you say, mm. bar the Super Rugby coaches two months ago when they put their list in, have been picking Cooper. Mm. And yeah, whilst yeah, I agree he should have been there, I didn't think he was going to be there. So here's the other bit, though, right? Is that I do you remember? Like only was it last season? Uh, there was an article that Deans was extensively quoted in, saying that James O'Connor just isn't a ten. Uh, and not even isn't even a twelve. He likes him as an outside back. And all of a sudden, we've got these we've got these quotes today. And and here we are going to a line series. He, I mean, has he has he did he play one test as ten? Um, in, in the in the in between time, he played one test and yeah. he played the Barbarians game. Okay, because and and, and here's these things saying you know. His whole thing is about he, want to, he wants someone to be more assertive in attack as well as defence. And I, I think that assertive thing is, is your point, Scott, about somebody who's going to take it straight at, straight at the line. Um, but all of a sudden, he seems to think James O'Connor fills that bill and is very, very positive about it. That's the only thing that I'm kind of puzzled by is that, you know, with three weeks now to put a team together, 
that's what he thinks. And I mean, and O'Connor isn't always, I mean, I guess he's been playing more 10 this year for the Rebels, but, um, you know, when Beal was around, you know, he wasn't necessarily 10 there either. So, But, but he hasn't been playing well. Yeah. as a team. I'm not saying playing well, but just playing no, at least, you know. Exactly. He's played a little bit there, but he's just been really average. Mm. Um, I, think I, I, I think it's he, quite possible that, you know, you, you're confused by what Robbie's said. I'm not really sure what he was trying to say, but it's quite possible that you're confused somewhere <laughs> along the lines. It's quite likely. You mean, yeah. If you look at the track record, Jock played there twice on that end-of-year tour at 2011, and it was after that that Dean said, I don't see him as a 10 or a 12. Mm. I see his future being fullback or a wing. Mm. So he looked at what he did in those games. He then didn't play the entire 2012 season, so Robbie didn't get any insight out of it through there. And then he has played you know, half the season at 10 for the Rebels because the other half it was uh, Kirtley or Jock was injured. Mm. So all he can look at is the Super Rugby season to have changed his mind from I don't see him as a 10 to he's my number one go-to guy. Mm. For the biggest series in over a decade. Mm. It, it's mind-boggling. Mm. And yet he says it's got nothing to do with what's happened in between. Well, I, I don't the, think it's got anything to do with per- personalities. It's, it, uh. Quaid said, if you want to play that shit style, don't pick me. Yeah. He's just doing that. Yeah. He wants to play the shit style, so don't mm. pick him. But it's then, who you, it's then who you pick to replace. Um, let's then yeah. talk about the other one. So are we done on Cooper for now? Yep. I mean, I think we're all starting to get bored of it anyway now ourselves so time to move on um because it's not going to be happening so probably the other part the to that access was that i think we probably all then expected pat mccabe right um i know i banged on about it saying i I can't say how not but he's one of the other uh, omissions and instead we've got uh, rob horn and i've got to say i mean i would say this you you guys might say sitting down here in sydney but um, I do actually think that this is a, a positive in that at least this seems to be a form pick, which is that, you know, Horn, for the type of style he's looking for at 12, um, has actually been had, had some form, hasn't he? Yeah, well, uh, other than Kyle, uh, mm. there's probably no other 12 that touches what Rob's been doing the last few weeks, so mm. I absolutely agree with you on that one. Mm. It's, it, it's a form-based pick. He's probably got the nod more because he's been there and been had squad time and Robbie knows him, so that, that, that could be that. But um, yeah, I mean, Deans has always liked him. He's, he, he's put a lot of faith in him in, in the past, hasn't he? It, even at times when it wasn't paying off or when there was all those injuries. Yeah, and he um, strikes me as that type of selector, doesn't he? You know, mm. oh, I like you. Like I'll have a crack with you and give you a few few weeks to sort your stuff out. I mean, mm. he's waiting for Burgess, and Burgess was his first big thing. Mm. Yeah, look, I, I was picking Horn two weeks ago because he has been playing well. Yeah. Uh, but I, up until McCabe went off last night, I was sure McCabe and Horn would be in the squad. Mm. And I, it's interesting that they've made an announcement that McCabe hasn't been considered because of the injury, but may still be available depending on what the scans show. So right. I, I actually think McCabe's, McCabe was ruled out mm. on injury okay. at this stage. Right. Otherwise they wouldn't they wouldn't have come in and said, like they haven't come in and said, oh, we haven't picked Nick White because he hasn't done this or whatever. They've mm. spoken about two guys, Cooper and uh, McCabe. Mm. They haven't spoken about Douglas. So I, I reckon they're, they're basically, and I'm sorry, and they spoke about Smith and Tatafu Pilotta now. Mm. So McCabe, I think it's just a wait and see game. Yeah. But, I, but I actually think Horn had overtaken McCabe for the 12. Mm. Um, 
before the injury happened. Yeah, I mean, as Bob said, maybe these injuries have kind of helped him in a bit, um, help 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 him make those decisions. It'd be a more comfortable state for him, wouldn't it? I mean, yeah. last year he had to pick what with what was left, and this yeah. year he almost had a full selection. So, yeah, this has made up his mind a bit. Mm-hmm. So, but while we're on the inside centre um, omissions, uh, which means there's no space for uh, Ben Tapawaii, which again I don't think is surprising a lot of people, but especially with the type of game plan that Deans is signalling, it, it's hard to see Taps ever fitting that bill, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. And, yeah. and he's been pretty bad. Yeah, yeah he, his form has gone off. He can't even get picked for the Reds at the moment. Um, and Horn's had more experience. And one thing you'll notice out of the whole squad is that Deans is going for experience. Wherever there's a call mm. to be made, he's going for the experience guy. Mm. Okay. Which maybe leads us on form and experience to the other omission here, which Bob also touched on. No Jesse Mogg. Uh, he, he didn't make it through from the logistics squad. I'm using air quotes as I say logistics. Um, uh, yep, he hasn't made it. Not even a look-in. Was that a surprise? No. They, the, I don't think in the back three they were ever going to pick two mm. debutants. Mm. So it, I, to me, it had to come down between Falau and Mogg. Yeah. One, one or the other, and and they both had arguments for and against. Um, but he's you know he, he's talked up Israel Folau a lot in the last few weeks, and apart from last night where Mog probably shaded him, although his Mog's defence last night was a real worry on two mm. tries he let in. Mm. Um, yeah, if, but, it, if the Mogarhythm had been trending up, it might have been a you know a harder decision. But I think uh, yeah. it, he was always going to need to be on some sizzling form to get past. Easy, yeah, if, if you accept it had to be one of the two, I mean, I, I just can't see from maybe six weeks ago how it was going to be anyone but Falau. Mm. Yep, okay. Um, now, probably the next one, which is pretty controversial, actually, and I think this one shocked all of us. I think even you were shocked on this one, Scott, was there's no second halfback named, which means Nick White hasn't been named as yet, at least. And it sounds like, uh, I think this is another thing that he mentioned, that, that Robbie mentioned at the uh, press conferences, that's because he's waiting to see if he can have a bit of a look at Luke Burgess. Well, had a, he's obviously spoken to him in detail. He yeah. knows which day he'll arrive, it, depending on whether they win this game or what, that game. But he's clearly, this is not a passing interest, or when will you be back? This is, I'm going to announce at the press conference the dates you arrive back. There's a lot of detail there. Yeah, he's already booked the hotels for the yeah for him for the squad and yeah got his you know, roommate all sorted out. And... Look, I, look, I, I have watched um, Luke Burgess playing over the last six weeks, mm-hmm. um, and as Bob said early in the season, I watched him then as well. He hasn't got any better. He's just muddling along. Mm. I reckon if you had to pick on form, and they're two completely different competitions. But Burgess has been playing lots of second half. He hasn't been starting. Um, White is playing better. So purely on form, I think it's it's amazing that he hasn't gone with White. And the fact that he hasn't picked White in the squad now clearly says he's not comfortable with that decision. And this comes back to experience. I reckon he's looking at it and saying the the reserve halfback may only get 15 or 20 minutes at the end or if Will gets injured... I'd rather go with the guy who's got loads of experience. So I'll just defer that until Burgess is back in town and then, sorry, Nick White. Mm-hmm. But, but that's, one, that's one question on form and whether he should be selected. You know, a guy who hasn't been here for 
what, two years to just walk back in like that. And, and I know that, you know, everyone's, you know, George Smith was going to be an exception, but he's been playing here all year. And George Smith is an exceptional player who I can see you bending the rules for. I mean, Luke Burgess is a good player, but he's not an exceptional player. Mm. I don't think thing, he's good enough to bend the rules for. Mm. Yeah, it just, there's room there when the others come in. So why wouldn't you have your other half back in there? I just don't, yeah, I don't get it. It's an interesting one. But I mean, I guess he's looking at those, I agree with you, Scott, I think he's looking at those 37 international caps. Yeah. And he's like, you know, isn't it interesting that with, with Nick White last year, there was the hullabaloo, never really confirmed, but there was lots of back chat that he was pretty pissed off that he'd been stuffed around by the Wallabies and he delayed a shoulder surgery to sit on the bench and get no game time. Mm. And, you know, eventually went, no, that's it. I'm out of here. I'm going to get my shoulder surgery done. Mm. And he was so he was fucked around last year. And now it looks like he's going to be fucked around. And sorry, mate, this guy's walked in the door on June 1 and he's in the squad. Mate, I, I wouldn't like the prank that he's going to pull on Dean if, <laughs> if, if, if he ever gets let in. <laughs> hey, he and Quake could do one together. Yeah, <laughs> look out. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. I, I think... Uh, in watching one, because we, we, we had an interview with Luke uh, a few months back, and I mean, I think one of the things he said that it, they'd done a lot more, he'd done a lot more work on his game was kind of box kicking and that sort of stuff, because he said obviously up, up north there, they kind of live off it, and because it, it had been one of those skills he basically didn't have down here. I mean, if he's managed to bolster that part of his game, I wonder if that's what Deans is maybe also hoping. Uh, well, I suppose the, the other thing you could say is that his role... France has been to come off the bench and close the game out, mm. finish off, which is the only role he's going to get here unless Genny is injured. So maybe he's looking at him saying he's a specialist finisher, mm. whereas White's been a starter at the Brumbies. Mm. So with the it's a pretty, it's a pretty long, uh, long bow to draw, isn't it? Mate, I'm trying. I'm just trying. <laughs> <laughs> Don't try and get into the mind of Robbie, mate. <laughs> mate, I have been for weeks. <laughs> so that's why you've been getting more and more erratic. I think I've yeah, it. I got 23 out of 25. I got close to his mind. <laughs> it's a dangerous place to go, mate. It's a very dangerous place to go. Um, okay, so most of these bits of controversy actually have probably been around the backs, but uh, a couple of omissions also in the forwards. No Kane Douglas. And uh, again, Bob touched on this. I don't think this is due to his head knock last night, which was pretty spectacular. I mean... First minute of the game. Was it even... It was almost off the kickoff? It, it, yeah, he took the kickoff. Oh, God. Got the ball, and then... Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was like a baby giraffe learning to walk, wasn't it? Yeah. Either that or he just downed a bottle of you know, Johnny Walker or something because he just yeah. literally fell yeah. over. Um, poor bugger. But um, anyway, so yeah, they've made that decision to leave him out. What does that tell you about his thinking, Scott, for, for, in making a decision like that? Um, again, I, I thought Tamani would be there ahead of him. I think Hall and Tamani will start the test. It's obviously for Tamani's uh, line-out prowess. I was going to say, <laughs> it doesn't do a lot for your line-out, does it? Yeah, well, you know, it, you know, he does a really good job in the back line. But again, well, that's it. You have to understand, Robbie Deans is not going to have full line-outs. He's going to have five-man line-outs with no Tamani, and Tamani plus one of the back row, whichever one is the seven, will be outstationed in midfield, and James O'Connor will catch the ball and deliver it to Tamani. Mm. That's the line-out plan. So you don't need him as a line-out jumper. Mm. 
The good the, thing is the calls are really easy to remember too. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I I mean I don't agree that he should be starting. Um, he is a line out liability. He when he runs, he runs so high, he will get held up. The the Lions are the Northern Hemisphere teams are very good at it. Well, the, the, the Irish players will be reminding everyone what happened in the World Cup. Mm. Oh, exactly. Yeah, just hold them up. She'll be right. We got it. We got, this got to look, Yeah, you've only got to look at Tamani running every week and you'll see that coming. Um, but look, I, I've believed that they will start, that he's just going to go for the biggest bodies he can throw at them. What I don't understand, and, and uh, look, I, I would have had Tamani in the squad. I understand why, because I think you need four locks in your squad. Mm-hmm. And I think the guy that Douglas... Four locks? That's yeah, freaking crazy. That's almost like saying you need two halfbacks. <laughs> well, well, guess what we're going to be doing in those first two weeks when all the other guys are off? We should be packing live scrums because getting ready for a scrummage onslaught from the Northern Hemisphere. Mm-hmm. But we can only pack one full scrum. The other one will have to have Dave Dennis in there as a make-up and we'll have a one depowered scrum against the other scrum. Not yeah, really they'll dominate. Of course, but they're not really working that hard. It's not really good preparation, is it? Mm. No way. He can show up, at, show up at the presser after the game, so I'm not really sure what happened. We scrummaged really well all week at training. Get, yeah, yeah, exactly. They'll, I mean, get, they'll get Sharpie in there, get him packing down. Well, well, maybe they'll have to do that, but <laughs> seriously, if you don't have four locks... Oh, that's what, the li- that's what a consultant is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and with Dave Dennis sort of acting as the cover... Um, you know, you, you, you're going to be having one deep-powered scrum. It's the same as if you're in those two weeks practicing attack and defense and you're trying to stress your defense for your run-on side, what do you need on the other side to stress it? You need a halfback running the attack against you. Mm. So who's going to be the halfback? What, Robbie Deans? Mm. Oh, yeah. He's the only coach fit enough to be as a halfback. Um, well, what are we going to do? On. Get, get somebody out of club rugby, it's not going to be the same intensity level as if they had a second halfback in there yeah. running it. So, so quite apart from the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm shocked oh, that this is a, Douglas is out. This is kind of a rhetorical is, question for you, Scott, but um, uh, have you ever seen a Wallabies training squad? <laughs> you're, you're using the word intensity there rather liberally and... Um, <laughs> A bit of a different definition. I, I think you've gone a little bit too far into the mind there. <laughs> yeah, someone bring him back. Someone snap yeah. him out of it. Someone slap him in the face. Huh? What day is it? Where am I? <laughs> Did we just win the line series through nil? Yeah. <laughs> well, hasn't that happened yet? <laughs> so, so you're saying, Scott, that actually it's probably. I mean, yeah, it's one of those big. Uh, back rowers that he's got because he's got he's gone for you know well three big three tall timbers Dennis Higginbotham and Moen uh, in the squad and you're saying actually one of those should have been another lot yeah yeah and and it should have been Douglas hmm. and I and I reckon if you had you know if you're going to start with Tamani great have Douglas and Simmons on the other scrum packing against you there'll be a fair bit of weight on the tight head side with Douglas good line out jumper to compete against you in Simmons. You could have really practiced with intensity, and and Bob may mention of that. It'll be how they go in practice. Well, now they're practicing against a makeup lock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll be all right in the lineout, but in the scrums, you know, which is where they're going to attack us. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and and the other bit is that I think in the loose, you know, Douglas has been playing really well, and I think he, I don't think you lose a lot between him and, and Dennis, to be honest. Um, uh, the stats kind of don't seem to say you do um, when, when Douglas has been having a good game. So, yeah, that's another uh, 
bit of a strange one. And then the other omission, which I guess is fairly telling, uh, is no Dan Palmer. Don't need him. Um, so no real specialist. You got, you got Ben Alexander there. That's yeah. all you need. <laughs> well, again, I, I looked at this and Dan Palmer's form has gone off. Mm. I mean, early in the season, I was saying he has to be there. He's the best technical scrummager we've got. He's not that far ahead the way he's playing at the moment. But, you know, and I had the four props they've got. That's who I thought they'd go with because, you know, they're not really trying to dominate the scrum. But I, I reckon Palmer will be in the six. And I reckon they'd be mad not to. When they bring this six in, bring another prop in. Palmer is, even though he's not that far ahead, he's still our best tight head. They're going to be faced with two good tight heads in Adam Jones and Dan Cole. I'd have Dan Palmer in the squad just to practice against. Mm. I mean, you, you need to simulate what we're going to get. Yeah. So I, I think they, they need four props on game day, and they've only got four in the squad. I think they'll have to add a fifth. And who's it going to be? It's got to be Palmer that comes in as the fifth prop. Yeah. But, you know, he'll only be there for a week. That doesn't make sense. I mean, why would you? Yeah, why would you not? I mean, this is all just self-imposed regulation, right? Is there any... Yeah, why the 25? What is this? Where did that come from? Is that a rule? Is that just a... Are they trying to cut costs with the accommodation or something? Maybe Where does 25 come from? Rugby teams, I don't know. Have you ever had a 25-man squad for anything? It's always 30. I just don't get it. What are they doing? I was thinking today, where the hell does 31 come from? I was trying to work out what's the rationale for 31. Mm. And I was looking at it and saying, if you were picking a squad to go into something... You'd, you'd want at least 30 because you want to train 15 on 15. Mm. Yep. And then, you know, I'd reckon you need two backups at least. Mm. One forward on each side, one back on each side. So that's, I don't understand why it's not 34, but who knows where 25 came from? Yeah. I mean, the reality is that if you, if you want to play, if you want to practice your, your um, setups, if you want to practice your, your first phase moves, etc., you've got 10 defenders against you. So there's going to be coaches and physios running on the wing on the other side, or they're going to bring in guys from club rugby. Well, I don't understand why they don't have 30 in the initial squad in the first place. Mm. But yeah, I think Palmer will come in, but I don't think Palmer's any chance unless there's injuries. Um, He just does not get around the park well enough. The Brumbies haven't been letting him play more than about 50 minutes, and his scrummaging has gone off. I don't know why that is, but it has gone off. And I know you've been arguing, so I think your, your starting tight head for a while has been James Slipper, isn't it? Yeah, look, I, I think in my article, I published the first part of a five-part series, uh, five series on Tuesday, and I start with the scrum. Tight head is a massive problem for us. Mm. Uh, I think it would be even with Dan Palmer there. Mm. Um, and then you look at it, and I think you go, Ben Alexander, James Slipper, oh, it's much of a muchness. Ben Alexander has been dished up before. Well, they're both they're both loose heads that are playing on the tight head side. Yeah, no, see, I don't agree. I, I've said that for years. Slipper, I reckon, is a tight head. Yeah. Um, I know. I know he's played a lot of loose head, and he used to say he liked loose head. He's got better form and technical form as a tight head than Alexander has. He's oh, yeah. he's, he's still very raw. Mm. So no matter no matter what we do, we're in. We're in a fair bit of danger at Tighthead. So Slipper's been outplaying Alexander, and I reckon he outscrummages him. Um, whether either of them or whether Dan Palmer can handle what's going to come up against us, I have grave doubts. Mm. So, yeah, I'd go Slipper. 
Medical. But I, but I also actually, I must say, I think Robbie Deans will go Alexander. Yep. Yeah. But I, so do I. Well, we're in a whole other world of hurt there. But with, with with either of those two, I mean, you know, we're back to where and this is the bit I think we always we perennially forget about. But you know, I think at best there we're kind of hoping for parity, aren't we? And probably sitting there waiting for something worse to happen. And I mean, there's a great well, there's a video that we made a couple of years back when the when that Welsh front row, which is pretty much the same one they're going to throw at us uh, for the Lions. I don't know, you remember that time when um, it was up north, I'm trying to remember which series we were playing, and they they just kept shearing Alexander off. Do you remember that? Yeah. Um, the other... I've, been, I've been watching it for the last few weeks, um, yeah. getting ready for this series of articles I'm doing over the next two weeks. And But I tell you, go back just more recently, mm. go back to Australia versus Ireland at the 2011 Rugby World Cup. Yeah, I and, was there, sadly. I, yep, I'm convinced that they, the Lions will pick Ken Healy at Loosehead, mm. and he did an absolute number on Ben Alexander that night. Mm. Um, there was one scrum where Ken Healy got it completely wrong, and Ben Alexander got a penalty for the Wallabies. We got three points. It was fantastic. The rest of them, he got absolutely dicked. Mm. And I look at his technique today, no and what change. it was in 2011, nothing's changed. Um, at least Slipper gets lower when he packs, whereas Alexander doesn't, and Kean Healy is a very, very good loose head, and yeah, tight head really concerns me. And and you're right; I think they will just try and contain the Lions scrum, and I think they're kidding themselves. Yeah, it's just part of the game play. plan. No knock-ons. Well, <laughs> I think they'll be saying, you know, get our ball in and out, and when it's their ball, let's hope they move it on. They're not. They're going to hold it at the back of the scrum, and they're going to keep going yeah. until we disintegrate or we or we give a penalty away, and then they'll Jim go. Comes first. Give us another scrum. Yeah. Mm. We'd like a scrum. We'd like to have a yellow cards are plenty. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But that's part of our plan, mate. Uncontested. Just, just keep <laughs> going until we've got no props left, and we can do uncontested. But what's this series? Is this series extra playing with the extra prop? Yeah. Okay. It is. So they just need three yellow cards. <laughs> and then they've <laughs> walked. And then they've walked straight into our trap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I, I didn't think like that. I've been too much like Robbie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Man. Hang on, I've got to write that down. <laughs> right, now look, now, look, we're going to see if we can use this new feature now. So we've embedded a thing on our website where it's in the sidebar and it's also in a couple of posts where you can leave us a uh, voice message, basically. Um, and uh, it's powered by a, a company called Evoca. So you'll see it there. It's simple as you just press, you know, record, say, tell us what you want to... Send us and then uh, and then just you know, play and you can check back and see what it's like. You put your email in, you tell us what you've sent us and we're away. So we've been talking about doing this for a little while. Well, today I've got a couple of these things. So let's see if we can uh, give this a go. Here's our first one. Listen to this. With only one scrum half being selected in Wilgenia and the door left open for Luke Burgess, what message does this send to the likes of Nick White and Nick Phipps? Matt... I'll take this one. Yep. Don't be called Nick. <laughs> <laughs> that's gold. Put that one it's, in the uh, pool room. I think I'm starting to get into the mind of Robbie's, and that, that's the message. Don't be called Rick. Because if you're Rick. in the field, it's, it's, it's Ruck. Yeah, and and we don't want any Rucks around. But I think you... We've only got one. Uh, yeah. Or is it or Nick? Hey, you even sound like Nuck. Robbie does. Nuck. Ruck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's what I meant. Ruck. Nuck. <laughs> Is there any uh, prop? Knock, yeah. 
Oh dear. Well, anyway, look, I think that that was from BJ. I think. Uh, oh, what just happened? From Brumby Jack. Everything went black then, and I think I channeled someone. I'm not sure. You got the Ouija board out, have you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to need a lie down. So anyway, so that, that, that was BJ. Anyway, I think we covered that uh, at the top of the show. Um, yeah. But that one, that was a that was a late one that came in. This one, this one's from Josh, I think, and he's got an interesting one, a bit of a a bit of a curveball. Here we go. Can we just pick Greg Inglis? Like the man is playing out of his skin. I've got that one. Yeah, I can answer that one. The other great thing about Greg Inglis, he's got state of origin experience, which I reckon's better than Lions. But then again, there was some bloke in England who howled me down for that <laughs> last week. State of origin's nothing like the Lions, apparently. There you go. So, you so off your face. Yeah, but, you know why yeah. it's nothing like the Lions. Lions is every twelve years. State of origin's every year. Completely freaking different. Mm. Oh, but there's couldn't we profit from it? Mm. And oh, he yeah. plays what's in front of him. He's always looking forward, which is pretty good. So it, it definitely make a unique group. So look, I'm just trying to read between the lines there with Josh's enigmatic uh, message that he sent us there, which is that I get, is he saying basically, look, if you were willing to pick Israel Folau, who's a blow-in, would we pick, well, why not Inglis? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah, that works. Yeah. Um, hey, no, no, I've got the answer. Yes. Get Darren Lockyer out of retirement to play fly half. There you go. Why not? He's got it all. He can defend, he can kick, he's got the pass of Cooper, he's got the experience. While we're he's at it. He's a very nice voice, though. Yeah, why not? Alrighty, well, look, let's, um, let's play. So, look, anyone who's listening, we'll keep this going. I thought that was really good. I like those, actually. Um, it's really easy. You just go to the site, you'll see it, press record. It'll send it automatically. It doesn't cost you anything, and you can be part of the podcast. Um, so let's now just cap it off the, 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 the squad yep. cast. Can, can we yep. before we do before we go on? Mm. Can we talk about the other two emissions? Oh, who, who have who, which, which emissions have I admitted? Well, there's one bloke with a broken arm and one with a broken knee. Oh, well, of course, which, broken arm, broken knee. Yeah. <laughs> who could that be? Which what an absolute disaster it was, I mean, wasn't it? We'll start with George Smith. Mm. I mean, after all the build-up and all the work, and then Robbie made the announcement after he got injured, that, oh, we got everything cleared up on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> so he's all ready to go, and then that happens. And can you believe it? We've lost David Pocock in one game for the Brumbies against the Tars and George Smith in a, uh, in a similar game. It's not a good clash, is it, for that? Oh, it's dreadful for him. It's dreadful for the Brumbies. It's dreadful for the Wallabies. Mm, and, it's, and it's dreadful for somebody's insurance, for the Brumbies' insurance policy that they've bought well, for, yeah. for, the, for, J- for the Japanese club, I would imagine. Can you imagine any Japanese club ever agreeing to something like that again? <laughs> oh, God. Uh-huh. Um, but, and then how to Tafu? I mean, and, but how tough is the bloke? You see his arm bend like that and he just sat there looking at it going, oh, it's, it's not looking real good. <laughs> yeah, he, he just got up and carried, carried it off, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, and it looked like I thought, well, what's he done? Is he just is it a really bad stinger or something? Because he just kind of you know walked off. Because I, so I was, you know, I was at ANZ Stadium. So anybody who wasn't at ANZ Stadium saw more of the game than I did um, on, on Saturday night. But um, did you forget your binoculars? Yeah, mate, they wouldn't have helped. Uh, <laughs> no, you need the Hubble to be able to get close to the bloody you know the, the, the ground there. But um, the yeah, so I mean, I just saw him wander off. I, I didn't see any other replays, which were absolutely shocking. Like you say, you literally see his arm bend around. But people yeah, have... I sticked up a bit of Chardonnay. <laughs> but people have been talking about, oh yeah, he, it might be four to six weeks. What a load of rubbish! He isn't he's going to be out for months, isn't he? 
Well, even if it's four to six weeks, the first test is in four weeks, isn't it? Yeah. Or five weeks. Um, so the guy can't come back from a broken arm where he hasn't been able to do any contact, and then there's no games to play. So saying, saying something like that, it's clear you're losing your Robbieism. So I'm <laughs> we're getting Scott yeah. back. Yeah, yeah, it's starting to make sense so, again. Yeah. As terrible as it is, and it it actually leaves a massive hole for the Wallabies, mm. um, and it now gives the Lions with both those players out, it gives the Lions a bit of a leg up because mm. um, they would have been key players. I mean, I, I was convinced George Smith would start. I I actually was convinced that Tatafu was going to start as well, but yeah. um, it's it's not good and dreadful for those guys. Mm. Put in all this, and they you know they know they're going to be selected. Mm. They would have had the call yesterday. Well, sorry, they didn't get the call to say you're not in, so they wouldn't know they're in the team. And then that happens. But you have to consider most of them have got another two games. Some have got three games before the training camp starts. So we could have other guys fall away in the next two games. Well, it just shows is there any, you also... Is there any tough games coming up, some big ones that are... Well, the Brumbies have got the Blues. The Blues have got some big boppers. Yeah, the, the Reds have got the Stormers. Yep. Yeah, I think we're going to have to get the, uh, the, Wallabies, the, the Wallabies supporter confidence index out because I think it might have taken a bit of a hit. <laughs> uh, I love somebody made it put a tweet on last night that said... Uh, Call Cubby Station. We need all the cotton wool we can get. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't it amazing how we've all been puffing our chests out right up until last night saying, oh, the depth. We've got so many people to choose from. Da, 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 and it's taken two injuries and all of a sudden we're like, ah, oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> it's not quite as rosy. That's um, right. Now I remember. fine at seven. Mm. I mean, I, Smith's a great player, but between Gill and Hooper, I think we well and truly got that covered. Mm. They'll start Hooper, won't they? No, I reckon they'll start Gill. Do you? Oh, I'm, well, I'm going to back Robbie to. Yeah, no, there's not not in re- Robbie. Repay the faith. Go back into well, Robbie world, Scott. Well, okay, I'll give you the reason why he should start Gill. Yeah. Let's see what because he does. He's better. Yeah. Well, no, they're different players. Yeah, yeah but he's I, been playing. I, I don't better. reckon you can say they're better. I reckon one. Oh, oh, sorry. Okay, let me rephrase that. He's been playing better. <laughs> In different circumstances, what's going to be the first half of the first test? It's going to be warfare. It's going to be trench warfare. Yeah. That isn't really Hooper's go. Yeah. He's good. He'll get in the breakdown, but he hasn't got the quite the muscle. And it, That's not where he's good at. He's good at being just off the ruck, coming in when the tackle's made, or in attack, standing just off and getting the offload. Yeah. Gill is the bloke who gets in the middle of it and you know buries his head in there and... That's what Smith would have done. Mm-hmm. Smith true. plays tight. Gill plays tight. I reckon the first half of the first test is just going to be a war, and I reckon Gill's you better off for that. Then I reckon you've got to finish the game with both of them on the field, where Gill can keep playing the warfare, and Hooper can start, you know, making the runs and looking spectacular, and that's all great. Mm-hmm. But as I say, I'm not saying they're like for like. I'm saying they have different roles to play. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you make a lot of sense. Mate, flip. So Hooper will be starting. I mean, talk about you know the, the disappointment to, to to Smith and to a lot of us who th- thought he would have been. What about one of those two guys who I've got to, I would assume was Liam Gill? You know, suddenly I guess maybe they even got the phone call saying, "Sorry, mate, you know it's it's not going to be you this time." Uh, and then all of that in the same day changes, and all of a sudden 
you know, not only do you get a boy, boyhood dream come true, but you know, your career could look a whole lot different, right? I mean, uh, yep. George Smith's yep. career got a pretty good leg up on the back of a Lions series. Uh, not, that yep. he, not that he would have done well anyway, but you know what I mean. Um, what, a, what a turning point for one of those two guys who, I, if I was to guess, was probably Liam. Well, the reason I agree it would have been Liam Gill because mm. he was so much like Smith. Yeah. And so then you said, and, and that's what you do. You want to get balance. We've got one who's the attacking seven and one who's the, the grunt seven, if you like, who does the really tough work. And Smith and Gill were very much alike. Mm. So I reckon it would have been Gill that missed out. Oh, well, his 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 night changed um, yeah. pretty pretty dramatic. And I guess with him being in South Africa, it might not have been till well, like, uh, no, he probably yeah, he would have known before he went on and played. I guess. Oh, yeah, they I, knew. Sh- surely they weren't stupid enough to ring them before a game. <laughs> surely not. Yeah, back. we've got Scott back. We've yeah. got Scott back. Go back to the other world, mate. <laughs> Okay, well, look, let, let's run through then who... So we've talked the admissions, and we've, we've probably covered some of these things on the way, but we'll run through. Uh, we won't do everyone to death. We'll just touch on them because some of... You know, there are a couple of little interest, interesting ones, but otherwise I think we've talked about it. So I'm going to run down the list, um, starting with the backs. So Big Izzy, Big Izzy is in. I don't think anyone was surprised by that. Um, and, you know, Mog's recent form probably... Didn't help him either, uh, but um, I think we've talked about that one to death. I don't think that really surprises anybody, so it's going to be very interesting, though. But my one question there, though, is where do you think they're... Th- uh, go back into Robbie World for us, Scott. Channel him through. Um, where's he going to play Barnes? Who, who's he playing 15? Is it Barnes or is it Falau? F- well, if, if Jock is 10, mm. Barnes will be 15. Okay, so you think I, you don't I, think one will cover on the bench? You think you'll have them both on? Well, you need you need some kicking at the back. Mm. So I, I actually thought, after particularly after last night, that he would go with Barnes at ten and Jock on the wing, mm. because you know you get the, Jock can still come in and play, or Jock at fullback even. Jock can still play second receiver, but he can kick the ball from the back. Mm. Um, if if he's I haven't watched the press conference yet, but if he's saying Jock is my 10, well then, Falau can kick the ball. We saw that last night again. He mm. can do it, and he can kick it long. He kicks it a lot longer than I reckon even yeah, Barnes does. Yeah, he does. He's yeah. just come back from a stint of playing a game yeah. where yeah. you just kick the ball. Mm. That's all you do. So, so but, but I think he'll want Barnes in there. Um, so that, that would mean Barnes at 15 and would mean Falau on the wing. Uh, ideally, I would have thought Falau at fullback because he's the ideal guy to take the high ball. I reckon he can kick just fine. And I would have Barnes on the bench to come on and fill whichever position. And he's he's very good at closing out games. He's shown yeah, that yeah. in the last two. So yeah, ideally, I would have thought if Jock is 10, Barnes on the bench, Falau at fullback. But if I put my Robbie hat on, I think it'll be Barnes at fullback and Falau will go to one wing and Yuani will be on the other wing. Mm. That way you've got Barnes at the back who can kick and can come up and play 10, which Falau can't. He's just not experienced enough. So you'd put Barnes at the back. He can come in and he and Jock can alternate at 10. Um, you've got Barnes can kick, you've got Falau can kick, and you've got Digby or run it back who won't kick. So, okay, so that while we're talking about wingers, uh, one of the new faces that kind of 
storms through without even stopping at the logistics camp and straight on into the 25 is the Honey Badger. He's back. Um, he's had some great form. He's playing, he's showing, I guess, pretty much the same form he had um, at last year's end of year tour where he did so well. Um, his, who's he, I'm trying to think, who's he made it in instead of? Because what was, what's, what's the gap? Is it, was, was Shipley? Vuna, Vuna, Shipley, who else has played there? Yeah, but I'm just saying, not in the logistics though, right? Um, oh. He's kind of like a, oh. um, he's a bit, he's a bit of an addition here, isn't he? Oh, Drew Mitchell. Ah, okay. That's the spot he took. Mm. But Drew wasn't even it wasn't in the logistics either, wasn't he? No, I can't remember the logistics. So I I mean, I literally did a cut and paste, and then you know, um, in preparing the the list for today's announcement. So it's a a funny one. He's kind of he slotted in. Well, probably instead of Cummins was Cummins was the guy I picked. The halfback. That's right. No, no, no. I don't. I don't reckon. I reckon that. Well, you see, in my view. Cummins came in when McCabe wasn't available. Right. So, so in my list, I had put up McCabe was in the squad, but if he's injured, it'll be Cummins. You don't the think that's that... how Leo Fano got in? No. The, no, he, no had, I... he just had Brumby's 12 written down, thinking McCabe, and then when he read it out, <laughs> went, oh, shit. No, that's no, I... why McCabe's out. Well, is that why the confusion when McCabe was actually named today and Dennis wasn't, and then Qantas Wallaby's tweet had to come back and go, oh, oh, oh sorry, we got it wrong. McCabe's out. <laughs> No, look, I, I think Leo Lafano was always going to be there in the squad. As I said, I, I looked at the mix and thought if, um, if McCabe's out, Cummins will come in. The one I didn't get was Tamani because in place of Tamani, I had Nick White. So basically, I, I had a scrum half in and they've put an extra winger in. Right. Nothing wrong with the way Tamani's been playing, but again, I look at it and say Tamani's had one test, which was against Scotland. And Cummins, you know, did a really good job for the Wallabies on the end-of-year tour. And in the last few games of the force, he's shown exactly the form that he mm. took on that end-of-year tour. Yeah, yeah Tamani would have had, had more tests if he hadn't hurt his ankle at training that day. Sure, when we were there and, watching and, it. Yeah, yeah, and I think, and, I, and that's my view of the mind of Robbie. That's how he works. I, I had oh. you earmarked for some potential. I haven't seen it yet. Let's have another go. Yeah, look, I, I think he's looking at it and going, George North is going to be one wing for the Lions, big guy, six foot four, I think he is, or six foot five. Um, Tamani, you know, he, he's fast, he's got great footwork. I, I'd rather see Nick Cummins defending against George North than I would Tamani. Not saying Tamani's a bad defender, but, you know, a big body on another big body, and Cummins goes pretty hard at it. The other so bit, I, the other thing I wonder about Cummins is uh, I'm just looking at the the sheet here and actually you know Ashley Cooper is the only kind of specialist thirteen down here um, and Cummins has played a, a bit of thirteen before hasn't he? Um, mate, Rob, Rob Horn's played more thirteen than Cummins. I was just going to say yeah, so true. is Rob Horn. Yeah okay, but I mean I guess he Cummins gives you a little bit more cover than that because I get you know to, yeah. you know to, I haven't seen Tamani. Even Yuani's played more thirteen at the international level than Cummins. In fact. Yuani's played 13 for the Wallabies. Cummins never has. Mm. He's, he's played a little bit there for the force. Not that I'm advocating Yuani going to 13. Mm. I mean, the both of them are the same. They're wingers. They're not, not 13s. But you've got Horn as cover. Mm. I guess so. All right, so other people who are in, I mean, we started to touch on it. Adam Ashley Cooper, no surprise to anyone. 
Rob Horn, we talked about. He's come in with his form. Um, uh, Christian Nelofano has, has stayed in. Um, I don't know. This to me feels, though, that he's kind of like second or third choice there. Rob is 12. And he's just getting some experience. He's back up 10. He's back yeah. up 15. Yeah, okay. It, it's exactly what you need in a squad. Yep, yep. If somebody goes down at training, he can step in. He, mm. he I, Well, I can't see him being in the squad. Right. And then we've got uh, Beza Barnes, as we talked about. His form's been picking up as well, which is good to see. Uh, James O'Connor, um, no surprise, except that he's been so firmly penciled at, uh, at 10. And uh, then there's uh, Willie G, who, again, also no surprise, just that obviously we don't have another nine. Moving across to the forwards, Cliffy Palu. I don't think that surprises anybody um, as far as Deans is thinking there. Um, Michael Hooper, Liam Gill, we've talked about. Dave Dennis made it in, and I think we've, as we've talked about, it's an interesting one because I guess we should talk about this as a trio because you've got Dave Dennis, Scott Higginbotham, and Ben Moen. Now, I think Higgers, as kind of like you know incumbent Wallaby, doesn't surprise anyone. So it's the Dave Dennis Ben Moen thing I think uh, is interesting. Ben Moen for some reason couldn't get a look in, um, and uh, he's finally he's finally getting a. He's you know made the squad, but um, it's interesting because as we've talked about in there, you'd expect you would hope maybe for another lock. So is is Dave Dennis the guy who should be feeling lucky here, or or what? Well, I think he is, but I, but I, the guy whose role I think he's grabbed in the initial squad is Hugh McMenamin, mm. who was six or sorry lock slash six. Mm. Um, I don't see Ben Mullen as a lock slash six or eight. I see him as a six or eight. Mm-hmm. If you look at your bench, and these are your bench options, you, you're going to need. If if you start with Palu and he and Robbie Deans will, even though Palu isn't doing anything, mm-hmm. I don't reckon he deserves to start based on form, but he will be the number eight. Higginbotham is significantly ahead of both Moen and Dennis as a six at the moment, given the way he's playing. So he'll be the six, I reckon. Palu, is he going to keep going at the intensity you need for a whole game? He's he's never going to make it through 50, no. No. So I would reckon that Higgers is starting at six. At halftime or shortly thereafter, he goes back to eight. And I reckon they end up with Gill and Hooper on the field at the same time, whoever starts at six and seven. And and Gill plays six and Hooper plays seven. Um, But if if you look at that, you know, then do you carry Moen to replace Palu, well, I don't think you need to. Mm. So then you look at and say, I need somebody who can cover, let's say Higginbotham went down, I need someone who can cover the back row um, and also cover lock because mm. otherwise I eat up, I chew up, if I just have a pure lock on the bench, I chew up one of my reserves and I have to go to a 6-2 bench, which you don't want to do. Mm. And there's only two guys who can cover lock and six, and that's Dave Dennis and Hugh McMenamin. Mm. So I reckon Dave Dennis is in the squad as the cover if Hugh McMenamin doesn't come good. If Hugh McMenamin comes good, I reckon he's ahead of Dennis on the bench. Well, because, I mean, you know, uh, when Triple M's fit and firing, he's a, he's a proper lock, isn't he? If, if he, oh, need, and, if, and, you know, if, yeah, if he, and if he needs to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah so it, it, I reckon it just depends, and I reckon pencil in, if McMenamin gets through a game, He'll be in the next six players, and he'll be the bench player. But if he doesn't, or if he's not quite right for the first test, 
Dennis will be on the bench to cover Locke and Six. On the basis that Palu comes off, what happens if Higgers gets injured and can't go to eight? Well, at a pinch, Dennis could play eight. Um, or if one of the locks goes down, you've got Dennis there. Mm. Nice. Well, I'm liking your in-depth thinking there as far as why we're looking at that, but um, it probably says that unless we're looking at an injury, we're not going to see a lot of Ben Moen then. Well, I reckon he's the backup eight. Mm. I, I reckon Higginbotham's the starting six. And, and, and look, Moen's probably the, the backup six as well if Higginbotham got injured to start, but... If you look at the bench option, I reckon Gill's going to be the replacement six. Because mm. nothing better than having Gill and Hooper to finish the game together. So moving on that, then into the second rows, um, and we've talked about how we'd like a fourth, but there's only three. Uh, that's Simmons, Horwell and Tamani. You said, Scott, that you expect Tamani and Horwell to be on the field together. Um, who does that leave calling the line out, do you think? Higginbotham. And and that's not ideal. Okay. And and that that's the massive problem. Mm. Um, unless if you've got Tamani in the squad over Douglas, you're clearly not worried about the lineout. Mm. You, really, Simmons is the lineout caller. If you look at, let's say you had Parlow at eight, Higginbotham at six, Gill or Hooper at seven, whichever. Hall is a definite for one lock. You really need Simmons or Moen, to call the lineouts. Well, if Moen's not going to be there, you need Simmons. But if you want to go Tamani, it's you can't give it to Hall. He's the captain. He can't call the lineouts and be the captain as well. It's, there's too much involved. He can do it, but mm. it's not ideal. Um, Higginbotham's a good lineout caller. Mm. Um, so I reckon he could be the lineout caller. And I reckon Simmons... But they only have one call, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're only going to have one jumper. So, so you're, over, you're overthinking it. Well, actually, you make a good point because they are going to run five-man lineouts, mm. and you'll see when I write this article. Uh, I think it'll be Thursday. The lineout one will be published. The Lions have got five jumpers. They got four frontline jumpers, and they got one who is probably better than our frontline jumpers anyway. They've got five really good jumpers in their pack that I think will start. The only way you defeat that because we don't have enough good jumpers based on the pack we're going to have, is to go five-man lineouts because that limits them to put three jumpers in and we've got three jumpers that can compete with them. Mm. So we will run five-man lineouts. They will That'll therefore limit the options. That's fine mean, on our call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Look, when we have to defend their seven-man lineout, we've got no chance, unfortunately. So we will be, uh, we will be just staying on the ground, trying to defend it on the ground, try and get to their halfback possibly. Um, yeah, so I think Higginbotham will call the lineouts. Mm, okay. Um, has he been doing that at the Rebels? No. Pyle's called yeah, Pyle doing it. Doing it. But, mm. but Higginbotham can call. He's a good caller. Don't worry about that. And he's a, he knows what he's doing. And if he's got three weeks in camp, yep, he can hone his skills back up. Sharpie will help him. Now, the only other thing I'll pick you up on, but I think you're right to assume it, which is about James Hall being captain. Interestingly enough, you know, they're saying they're not announcing that until June 11. Well, he's not adverse to switching the captaincy just before a tournament, is he? Mm. (laughs) Well, realistically, the only option is Will Guinea. 
Yeah. Um, I think. Yeah, who reason, else is there? Well, there isn't anyone else. There isn't any. Uh, maybe unless, it's unless you start mowing, mm. which I, I, I can't see that. The only way you start mowing is to drop palu. Mm. No, it's not going to happen. Which, which I wouldn't be against, mm. but it's not going to happen. Not in the world of Robbie. No. So I, I think the reason they're delaying the captain is the two captaincy, the one will be captain and one will be vice captain, and whichever way it'll turn, they're both in South Africa at the moment. Mm. Yeah, it's so a bit hard to press front them up. Mm. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of spin involved, and, you know, we need to promote the tour. I get all that. So when they're back in the country, announce the captain then. Uh, but I'm sure it'll be horrible. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, okay, but although apparently, like I was just saying, that the word is today they're not doing that till June the 11th. Um, which is a way to wait. So I guess, and you would think the captain will have, you know, they'll be make, needing to make decisions before then. But anyway, does and, the next big press conference, isn't it? When do they go into camp? Well, they're going to camp on June the first. Okay. So the, have, the the twenty five going anyway. Okay. So they'll have a, you know, they'll have ten days together before they've yeah. announced who the captain is. Okay. And they're really interesting. They're, the camp is at Caloundra. So oh, really, yeah, yeah. So they're not going to be able to pull guys out of the Reds to train with them. If they need, let's say they, they want to train 15 or 15, guys, we're five short. Can we have five of your squad just to run Let's against Let's get them from the Stingrays, mate. Yeah, well, yeah, they got beaten by 100 <laughs> on the weekend, so that, that, that's really good competition. That's yeah, the problem. Yeah, they'll dominate. Remember, they'll <laughs> dominate in training. We that'll lift understand the We've been dominating in training. It's maybe, just... yeah. maybe they can borrow some from, uh, from the, the Lions. They've got plenty. They've got plenty. Oh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> they got plenty. Um, all right, so I think we've talked about, though, uh, the props. So it's Slipper, Alexander, Robertson, Kepu. I guess Kepu is the name that kind of slipped in here. I, I, I don't think it kind of anyone's surprised by that, though. He's had a lot poured into him. Yeah. He's got experience. He's... He can play both sides. Mm. Um, on form, no. Mm. But you have to look at it. Really, there there aren't enough props on form. Mm. I mean, if you if you say there's four there, there's Dan Palmer is five. Where do you go from there? Mm. I know Scott Co. Yep, he's been playing fantastically and wonderful, but he's a loose head only, mm. and he's pretty raw. Uh, what do you do? Pet Cowan, he's a loose head only. You know, and Celesi Marfu. Celesi Marfu. Yep, that's that's true. He's there. Robbie likes him. I mean, there's lots of props, but are they guys that can take the lines on? We're pretty limited. Yeah. I reckon we've got Adult. five to choose from, and Palmer's the only one who's not there. Especially Sorry. Right. Greg Holmes could do both, but there's no chance he's getting picked. Okay, and then we've talked about uh, the hookers, so Stephen Moore, Saifanger. Do you think it was a... I mean, I guess it was probably on his international experience, Sire versus Hansen. Yeah, yeah. If you, if again, if you have to make the tight call, you're going to go with a guy who's played more. Mm. Form, and playing has played more. Form wise, though, I mean, Hanson, he's been, he's been, he's had some pretty good games, hasn't he? Oh, absolutely. I'd, I'd pick Hanson, but, mm. but yeah, not, again, not on those other criteria. No, on on all these names, I'm saying, yep, I wasn't surprised. Mm. That's because I sat down and thought, what will Robbie Deans do? Yeah, and I, I abandoned what, what my Dingo idea. Do? Do. You put, you put your t-shirt on. What would Dingo do? Yeah. Um, all right. Frightening. Good to have you back. Um, okay, so I think that's just about it. Anything else on the squad that we 
we don't think we've touched on here. No. I think we've done that one to death. So if, you, if you're listening to this on the way to work, you know as much as anyone does now um, about the squad and the permutations. Well, hang on. on. There is one other thing. Mm-hmm. Who's going to be the six? What are we looking for? Ah, I, right, yes. I reckon we need another prop. Mm-hmm. And as I've said, I reckon it's got to be Palmer. Mm-hmm. We clearly need another halfback. And I don't understand Virgil. why... Rob, well, I don't understand why he's talking about when he arrives, etc., and when he's available, and yes, he is available, unless he's going to be picked. So I reckon that's got to be Burgess. Mm. Um, so that's two? I, well, I think we need another lock. Yeah. Well, is, so, is that Triple M, though? Well, no, because I reckon we need a, a pure lock, mm. which I reckon is Douglas. Put, 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 but, put but, Robbie's but, mind back on. But that's in Robbie's your head, not on. Robbie's. Come on. No, no, no. I reckon that even Robbie will think that, too. Okay, okay, okay. okay. We need a pure lock. I mean, you, you don't really pick in lots of wingers. So if you've got another lock and someone goes down and Douglas has been in there running lineouts, etc., that that's going to help. Um, I, the, I reckon then you get to a six-slash-lock cover, which mm-hmm. I reckon is McMenamin. Mm-hmm. And then I reckon you have to choose. That's five. Sorry, that's four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we need another centre. And I reckon he's keeping that spot for McCabe if yep. he's fit. So he's basically saying, if you're right in three weeks' time, you'll, you'll grab that spot. That's five. And then I reckon the six comes down to a choice between you either need another hooker, give him, you know, any injury at all, we need guys throwing lineouts, or you need another halfback. Because, again, they're the two critical positions that if someone goes down in training, you need to have someone actually have been running this for a week. You don't want to bring them in two days before. Mm. So if you're in the captain's run and Will Guinea rolls an ankle and Burgess comes into the starter, you don't want a halfback coming in with, well, one day. Mm. And if, uh, say, a Feringa breaks a finger like he did prior to the all-black test last week, you don't want someone coming in with no opportunity to throw to the line out. Mm. So I reckon you have to choose between another hooker and another halfback for the sixth guy. Okay. I like and, and, that, and that would be, you know, I reckon either White would be the third halfback or Hanson would be the third hooker. All right. All right. Yep. That's a good thing to look out for as well because with uh, June, June 11 coming up, see if uh, our logic stacks up with Robbie's. Um, all right. Well, look, let, that's the squad done and dusted. Let's have a little quick look back at the weekend it wasn't pretty viewing uh for three out of the five teams um and just run through what actually you know just just the results uh chiefs beat the hurricanes on friday um and then we had the rebels in well depending on which side of the fence you're on a pretty controversial game in the end uh, beating the stormers 30 to 21 um this is this was yet another rebels game that i turned away from thinking uh, this is this isn't going right, um, and it sounds like I've I have recorded it, but um, it sounds like it turned into a cracker one way or the other. Um, is that, that, is that, that that's the penalty try game, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Well, so, there, there were two. It's, it's a pretty tough call, but I don't think it's wrong. Well, you don't think it's wrong for a penalty try? No, it was mm. a long way out. Yeah, see, see, it's one of those ones I'll argue all day, both ways. But it's um, <laughs> no, no, it, it's it's 
I think it's good that that I think the call was right, but I can see why it's wrong. Well, there were two controversial decisions. It was a long way away, mm. so that that counts against it because you know you, the, the definition of a penalty try is a sure thing. Uh, and you had Habana coming across from the side, probably would have caught him, probably would have disrupted the ball, so it's not really a sure thing. At the very least, disrupted the ball. Um, yeah. so it's a tough one, but, you know, th- there it is. Well, it's got to be probable rather than a sure thing. Uh, oh, it's a prob- probable, is it? Yeah, probable is what the law says, but then there's all these protocols that we don't know about, mm-hmm. as we had earlier in the season when the... Hurricane's got a penalty try against the Blues. But probable? Yeah, look, I, I don't think it was probable. I think it was a penalty to uh, the Rebels, from which they would have kicked the points to win the game anyway, and it should have been a yellow card as well, but I, I just can't see a penalty try there because I don't think it was probable. But there was one... Um, bef- just, just can, I, can we go back to it? What was the lead-up like? Had the Stormers been infringing, 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 or was it just a one-off against the runner play? Uh, they'd been playing really clean up until that point. You know what I mean? Like, had, was he pissed off? No, well, it wasn't the referee. Really it was the TMO made the decision. Yeah, right, okay. And, and I, I don't think that the referee was going to award a penalty try. Yeah. Uh, and it went, and when he's told, when the, when the TMO says to him, uh, probably would have been a try. It's a it's a penalty try. Uh, you can almost watch him raise his eyebrows and go, "Really? Huh. What the <laughs> okay. <laughs> Look, I mean that's fifty fifty. But the, the even more interesting one came before that because there was a second controversy that I know the South Africans are blowing up about, and the South African referee website has got an article on it today, which is a good article because it explains the law really well. And somebody asked me on Twitter um, on Friday night what I thought of it, and that was when uh, Woodward lined up for a penalty, a shot at penalty goal. Higginbotham had oh, said, yeah, yeah we're going to shoot for points. Yeah. And he put the ball on the tee, and everything was lined up, and he walked back, and the Stormers got together in a huddle to say, right, we've got to, you know, this is it, da-da-da. And the Stormers were, be- uh, sorry, the Rebels were behind at the time. And as they were in their huddle, all talking to each other, Woodward, instead of kicking for goal, kicked it out to whoever was on the left wing who, but for the referee blowing the whistle, would have caught the ball, scored a try. And everyone was sort of saying, well, why is that pulled back? Well, I mean, in the the spirit of the laws, and it says actually in the laws, once you indicate, and this is the the thing about the South African referee's website, once you indicate you're shooting for goal, well, you have to shoot for goal. And the referee said, "No, no, 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 hang on. You said you were going for goal. And then the interesting thing was the Rebels were behind at this time and the referee gave them another shot at goal Ooh, after they kicked okay. the ball. Now, the law says it's a scrum to the Stormers. Yeah. It's pretty. It's, it's clear as day. There's, there's no controversy about it. It says you must shoot for goal. Well, he, he didn't shoot for goal. He shot for the winger. So he was right in front. It wasn't like it was a missed kick. It was, so he you know, kicked it off the tee towards the winger. Yeah, yeah. Now, wow. if he hadn't if he hadn't indicated that it w- they were going for goal, that was fine. But then the Stormers wouldn't have got into a huddle in the middle of the field. And he wouldn't now, have the, it on the tee. The interesting yeah. thing was that he then the referee said, "No, no, no, take it again," and he kicked three points, which gave the Rebels the lead. Mm. They then scored the the penalty try to confirm it. But if he'd given the scrum to the Stormers, who knows what would have happened in the game? The other part of it is that 
it's a law that says once you've indicated you're going for goal, you can't do otherwise. And if you do it, it's foul play. And foul play is it should have been a penalty to the Stormers. And the South African referees, as I said, they've written an article today. It's on sareferees.com, which confirms all of that, that the referee got it wrong. He was right to pull the, the Rebels up, but he should have given at least a scrum to the Stormers, if not a penalty to the Stormers. So there were two bits of controversy. I know that the Stormers fans are blowing up big time about it. But, mm. uh, I mean, I have to say, the Rebels, again, you dumped out, Matt, and didn't watch the end. Mm. And the non-believer, yeah. I'm starting to believe in this Rebels team, and, and they fought really hard. And to come back from where they were and get the win, you know, they're doing a great job. And, and it seems like the, 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 the fewer X-Factor players they have, the better they do. Oh, they're just a solid unit at the moment. Mm. And, and Higginbotham's captaincy, it's working for him, but I reckon it's working for the team. Mm. And that's nothing against Gareth Delph, who can't get, on, he can't get in the run-on team anymore. And he was you know, one of their key players last year mm. and their captain at the beginning of the year. But Higginbotham's now been confirmed as the club captain and Delve comes off the bench and he's playing, you know, he's playing his role when he comes on. But they're, they're building something there. Mm. They really are. Mm. So well, don't turn away next time. Okay, fair enough. I'm told off. Um, <laughs> I will do. Um, so, and then, there's the next game, which um, I watched more of, but, you know, got let down again, uh, was the Force. Uh, went down 13-23 to the Sharks. Um, it's a long time ago in my mind, Friday. But um, I know reading uh, the Brown Hornets result, his, his uh, write-up, he, his point was he thought that the Force kind of threw this one away. Um, what did you guys think? Did you see that one, Timsey? Um, I was on. I was on. <laughs> oh, is, that, is he sounding like Darth Vader to you? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So I, I'll go on that. I saw yeah. that game. Um, it's the same as every week. Yeah. You know, they're, they're fighting hard. I, I just don't understand what C.S. Eberson is doing at 10. Um, I don't understand the selection decision there. He He's just not – I don't think he's up to it. And I think he's actually holding the force back. Um, mm. I think get Sam Norton Knight in there and it'll be better. But they get close – but they, you know, they didn't even pick up a force this week, did they? No, they didn't. No, so they're they're the team that if you're going to turn off, unfortunately, they're the team that you're going to turn off on. Yeah, damn it. Anyway, I um, had hope, a hope, higher hopes for the force, but yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, yeah, looking, looking Look, pretty good. They're in the process of a rebuilding, though. I mean, mm. they're, they're going to take that's a that's a two or three year project. Yeah. They have made steps. They have made gains forward, um, and. Michael Foley, despite all the fact that you know everyone hated him at the Tars for what he'd done there or didn't think he was very good, they're actually they are they're a lot better than they were. They've mm-hmm. made significant steps, but so have the competition. So yeah, and and, still, and they've still got that position which they've just not nailed. Um, well, I, I want to say since Gitto, but I'm not even sure when he was there that was nailed, um, yeah. which, is, which is ten. Well, now, now, unfortunately, the Highlanders are within three points of them. So they're now in a race, and I saw an article today that their focus is now on avoiding the wooden spoon. And when you get to a, into a season and your focus is avoiding the wooden spoon, <laughs> it's not great. No, it's not good. 
Um, alrighty, uh, Crusaders uh, restamped their authority, 23-3 against the Blues. Um, well, that's not, we're trying to do an express, so we won't go into that. But there's some... Two words on that, though. Yeah. Look out. Yeah, they're looking ominous, aren't they? Um, yep. I was sat with a Crusaders fan. They said, mate, these are long seasons, and when... While teams like you know the Brumbies and the Reds are faltering, teams like the Crusaders come through. Um, he was a Crusaders fan, but I, I found it hard to argue with him. Um, Waratahs, so yeah, he was the big match. I think we've touched on a lot of the injuries that happened in it. Um, Waratahs, Brumbies, 28-22. The Tars have done it again with a try at the death. They certainly don't give up, you know. Um, they've certainly got a lot of belief, and... Uh, this had one hell of an impact on the tables. Uh, Timsy, are you there? Are you still sounding like a Dalek? Or can don't I... know, mate. Try oh, me. No, clear as a bell. Oh, yeah. So uh, what did you reckon? Was there a little part of Tar in you still that stood? Oh, mate, I, I'm, a, I'm a Tars fan. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's, um, I, I'm an Australian rugby fan, so I love them all. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it was a great game. I, I really enjoyed it. I liked the, the intensity. It was, it was disappointing how the Brumbies are faltering. Uh, they just don't seem to look. It's like they've lost their belief. I don't know, mid-form slump, whatever. Mid, you know, mid-season slump, whatever it is. But uh, yeah, it was good. I'm enjoying watching them play. Mm. Scott, what was your take out from the game? Well, I was a Tars fan going in, and people will say that's because I wanted the Brumbies to lose so the Reds could get the conference lead. But actually, I've been a Tars fan every time I watch them. Mm. <laughs> um, I'm loving the way they're playing rugby, mm. and what what I really and I tweeted, you know, I think it was sort of towards the end of the first half, yeah, this is great, guys, keep running the ball, but surely we can just put some kicking in here. Mm. Just let's have a bit of balance. Yeah. Because, and you know what? When Beric Barnes came on, he provided the balance. Mm. So they, had, they were still running the ball, but when it was on, put the ball down the other end. I, I thought the, the Waratahs played really well. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with the Brumbies. They have lost their momentum, haven't they? Yeah. There were some interesting points in there um, where I actually saw this, this this part of the game because it was down our corner of the field, so I could actually tell there was a rugby match happening. It got, it, it got that close. But it was, oh. um, yeah, it was, it was in the last oh, 15, 20 minutes, um, and actually when the uh, Brumbies still had the lead, um, I think they still, yeah, they still had the lead towards the end there, and they were getting into the Tars half, or they were around about halfway line, and every time, I think it was mainly Tamua doing it, they just kept trying to dink down that corner. Um, yeah. And it worked a couple of times, but then they had a couple that went out, and, or there was, and then Falau started fielding it. And it just, and, and I was actually sat in an in a, uh, area full of Brumbies, Brumbies supporters, and you could just tell that everyone could, could feel that, hang on, what's going on here? These guys aren't going to, you know, take this game by the throat. These guys are hoping to ride the end of this game out. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was a real betrayal of confidence where the opposite that's, was happening That's with what the happened when they played the Crusaders too, wasn't mm, it? Yeah. You know, versus the Tars who decided, look, you know, they had the belief we can do this and we can do it with a try. Well, it was like, it was like Michael Checker at halftime said, um, whoever interviewed him said, you know, oh, you know, maybe, maybe you should kick a bit. And he went, no, 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 we're going to run the ball. <laughs> Mightn't work, but we're going to run it. Yeah, let's have a crack. And I, I love that. Mm. As I said, I was hoping for a bit of balance. And as soon as Barnes came on, mm. you got the balance that, you know, well, I think it's appropriate. It's not all about all out of So, 
So he kicks fucking everything, and the rest of the team don't kick a thing. On average, you got a nice balance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, look, um, let's uh, probably next week we'll let's have a little bit of a look at what these guys have got as a run in. But um, I don't know. I mean, I think we were all just thinking the Tars were just to try and see if they can get some pride and belief back, which I think they've obviously done already. I, I must admit, even on the mean streets of Kirribilli today, when I was having my, a, a coffee this morning. Quite a few uh, Tars jumpers starting to appear on a Sunday morning. Oh, I'm not. I'm not going to shit you at all. I was at the park today mm-hmm. with the kids. Guy walks past with a Waratahs jersey on. In Brisbane. Downtown Brisbane, mate. That's, yeah, mate, but the problem is there's, there's more in the other parts of the country than the twenty-one thousand who turn up for the game. <laughs> Seriously, twenty-one thousand. In team playing great rugby, yeah. they're winning, and you only get twenty one thousand. Mate, the, the problem with the what t- else was on on Saturday night, Matt? Swanies game. Yeah, there was a Swans game at the same time. Bugger. Um, but you know what it is though, and I think I, I saw someone tweeting about this. I think it might have been Tina uh, tweeting about this, which is just the Tars fans right now have had their fingers burnt so many times in a row, you know, years in a row. That yeah. they've become pretty, you know, we've become pretty bitter about. We've been down this road before, and we get dropped in our head. Um, I think it's different, but you know, I think it's taking them longer to, you know, get the jaded public back. You know, like with, a, I've, yeah. I've got some advice for Tars fans. Mm-hmm. If you're on Twitter, just follow Waratah Jesus. <laughs> There's never a moment of negativity about the Tars, and. Never. Oh, the, the tweet before the game was fantastic, wasn't it? What did he say? A, a native flower versus an introduced pest. <laughs> this can only go one way. Come on. I, I reckon they deserve backing because I love what they're trying to do. And, yeah. and Sorry, not just what they're trying to do, what they're doing. Mm. Yeah. And it's working. It's amazing. Well, it's great. It has the same feeling as what uh, Queenslanders had in 2010, which then flowed to 2011, that... Even though the Reds didn't make the finals in 2010, compared to the rubbish that had been served up before, they were having a crack and they were they were playing entertaining rugby. And the Tars are doing the same. And, you know, let's not forget that in 2009, I think the Reds were averaging 19,000 coming to a game. About, well, better than what the Tars are getting at the moment. But then they started to play rugby in 2010 and look what happened in 2011. So come on, Tars fans, get there. Yeah, I agree with you. Yep, looking good. I was there, and I couldn't even see the game. Um, <laughs> so then we had Bulls Highlanders. No surprise there, 35-18. Uh, let's, nothing to see. Let's move on. And then um, now I still haven't seen the game, so I'll have to leave it over to you guys. I did read your, I must admit, Timsy, slightly bitter report. Um, as, as far as what the TMO... I know you tried to play it straight, but you know, I still read between the lines. But anyway, the, the Cheetahs walked away with it 27-13. That's a pretty comprehensive victory. Do you want to paraphrase, Timsy? Or... Uh, well, yeah, the, the Reds were shithouse, hmm. so they, they deserved it. Uh, but the, there was some issues around the TMO. I think uh, he botched quite... He got called on a lot. Hmm. Uh, he botched it. Most of them, if not all of them. Uh, the first non-try was a try. The last try was a non-try. Um, there was little policing, I thought, of the cheaters offside line. Uh, and that allowed Andres, uh, what's his name, Strauss, yep. to get a couple and come close to a couple of intercepts. You know, it was a, they, they disrupted everything. They 
put them off the game. They're off their game anyway. Uh, woeful performance, but uh, yeah, wasn't helped. Mm. Scott? Uh, the Reds didn't lose the game because of the referee and the TMO, but they were both dreadful. Mm. And Craig Javier is the number one referee in the world. And I think he's a great referee, but he was terrible. The, the TMO, I would go so far as to say incompetent, Mm. Should should never be involved again. But um, and I agree with Timsey that the last one that he gave <laughs> was clearly forward. Mm. He gave it to forward the and knocked on. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure but, it the guy's hand. <laughs> yeah, and the first one was definitely a try. But the big problem I have with the Reds is if we go back to when they played the Brumbies, they had a plan, and the plan was we're not going to go wide. We're going to play pick and go. We're going to keep it really tight. They didn't seem to have a plan B. And then we went through the Blues, and again, they played really tight, and, you know, again, they didn't have a plan B. And then they played against the Sharks, and in the first half, I mean, they threw the ball around magnificently, and everything stuck. Not everything, but most of it stuck. And they looked like a world-beating team. And in the press conference, Will Gennier said to us at the time that the team, not the coaches, the team had banned pick and drive. Said no pick and drive at all this week. Well, I don't think you can ban any one part of your game, you know, because the game is multifaceted. It's not all about one thing. They came into this game and they, they had a clear game plan. And the game plan was move the cheaters around and target sort of, you know, three or four out from the ruck. And there were holes everywhere. Yeah, but the passes weren't sticking. Now they yeah, made the, the the passes weren't sticking. The other thing too is they were pushing them. They'd make that break up the you know a couple of, couple wide of the rock, and then they were throwing you know waiting for the miracle to happen, and, and it just didn't come. Sure, but but that's where you go fifteen, twenty, twenty five minutes maybe into the game, mm. where you are clearly they they the right game plan was there, but it wasn't working. The ball the passes weren't sticking that night. And sometimes that happens. 25 minutes into the game, I'm amazed that either the coaches didn't send a message out or the captains, which are Hall and Genia, didn't say to the team, OK, 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 let's have 15 minutes of just playing a little tighter. Let's catch our breath and then we'll have another crack. And if it doesn't work again, we'll slow down again and you know, take some shots at penalty. But they didn't have plan B. They only had plan A, and plan A was throw passes, do amazing things. They opened up a million holes. They couldn't finish. Mm. But Is it arrogance? Well, they don't need a plan B? Well, actually, I, I actually wrote that down today. I wrote arrogant, and I crossed out and went, eh, don't, I don't want to, you know, do I want to call them arrogant? But then I looked at it and went, yeah, you know, that's probably right. That was arrogant in that they thought, they had, they had looked at the vision of the cheaters and identified a hole, and the hole was correct. It was there. Don't don't worry, because the Reds made so many line breaks. Yeah, we've they got couldn't this, finish boys. Anything. Yeah. yeah, we've got this, boys. We, even with 10 minutes to go, we can still still score three tries going through the hole that we've identified. But it wasn't happening, and sometimes that happens, and sometimes you have to have a plan B, and either the coaches or the captains have to... On, the captains on field, Hall and Genia, should have said, hang on, guys, let's just... Slow down. Let's take three points instead of trying to get seven every single time. Mm. 
it's a little bit of a worrying trend because they had it with the Brumbies, they had it with the Blues, um, the Sharks, okay, they didn't have it with them, but now they've had it a third time where this is our plan and we will stick to it no matter what. Now, I know it worked for the Waratahs on Saturday night where Michael Checker said the game plan is run the ball, don't kick it, but sometimes it doesn't work and sometimes when it doesn't work, you have to have plan B and I haven't seen that from the Reds in a number of games and that's... I reckon that's a real problem if they're going to go further in the comp. It's also an interesting one that they've moved away from. You and McKenzie over the years, you know, heard him on podcasts and what he's written. He's always been a real advocate of keeping the scoreboard pressure on, just keeping it ticking over. Um, and so it's interesting to see, like you were saying there, this season they've pretty much, you know, kicked that in the teeth and it seems to be, you know, the, the seven-point drive the whole time. Um, I, yeah. wonder, I wonder, and I, I've also heard, I think, that actually that hasn't been his call. Hasn't that been the on-field captain who's been making that call? So, Well, it's the on-field captain, but you watch on Saturday night mm. and you watch it when they played the Brumbies. It's more often Genia than Horwell who's making the call. Mm. And you watch Genia, there's a number of times where he's, he, he's nodding his head to Horwell, you know, like, for the line, for the line, for the line. Not go for the points, go for the line, go for the line. And then... Genia had, I reckon that's the worst game I've seen Will, Will, Will Genia play in a couple of years, uh, at halfback anyway, when he's played 10 for the Reds, probably had a yeah. poor game, but, but, and that didn't help. Kicking that, out on the full when well, he should and, and But But kicking. also his passing, his passing was mm. as bad as I've, well, I can't remember his passing ever being that bad. For example, think about the try that Luke Morahan scored, what was then called back as a forward pass, and I think correctly by the TMO, that was forward. Mm. But look at where Cooper catches the ball. He was almost an, a basketball player trying to catch it above his head at full stretch. He had to then bring it down and try and deliver a pass inside. I haven't will, seen Will, will Genia pass that poorly for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. But, but on field, Will Genia is driving a lot of the decisions which are go for it, let's go for it, let's go for it, let's go for it, which is great. It's a, it's a really good attitude to have, but some nights it doesn't work. In the first half against the Sharks last week, it worked, so go for it. But in this game, it wasn't working, so you then have to adapt to a plan B, and they're not doing it. Now, if you think about it, Hall and Genia are going to be captain and vice-captain, and who knows, it could be either way. For the Wallabies, um, you know, I'd like to see them play a little bit more like Test match rugby in those decision making processes. Mm. Okay, well, I mean, it's uh, it's not good timing, is it? Some of these bits of form, kind of, well, the injuries and the bits of form going out. Having had belters for half the year, all these guys seem to be going off the boil um, as we come into the line series. But um, anyway, uh, and it's a bit of a worry. So, I mean, what's all this doing to the table then? And what does this mean for? Uh, I mean, the problem is obviously we've got this game in hand, which doesn't help us trying to, you know, uh, kind of f- figure these things out. But, you know, you, you know it's going to go in the wrong direction um, come the pointy end. But uh, with the Reds and the Brumbies losing that, I mean, what we've now got is they've, they're at 46 and 44, but then the Reds have played 13. Um, and the rest of the meaningful Australian conference have played 12. Uh, so it's the Brumbies on 46, Reds 44, Waratahs 38. Yeah. Um, and then you've got in Kiwiland, uh, Chiefs 48, Crusaders 42, and the Blues 
uh, 41, but they're all, uh, apart from the Chiefs were on 12, the Crusaders and the Blues are both only on 11 games. Um, and then you've got in South Africa, the Bulls on 46, the Cheetahs on 40, um, and the Sharks on 33. So the, the Sharks are a fair way back. So you've got really the Cheetahs in contention there, and they've had 12 games. So it was so, and like we said, the Waratahs are at thirty-eight. So it's interesting times, but it's it, that's could bite the Reds in the ass pretty hard, couldn't it? Thirteen games played for forty-four points. Well, if you look at it though, they've got an extra four on the Brumbies because mm. the Brumbies have had their two buys. Okay. So you know, there's, and this is where it gets. Waratahs have had their two buys as well. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you look at it, the Reds. Even though they're on 44 points, they're really on 48. If they lose every single game from now on, they're on 48. Mm-hmm. Mm. So the Waratahs have got to catch them by 10 based on the game still to play. The Brumbies have had their two buys. So, again, if you adjust it, they're on 48. The Reds are on 48 and the Brumbies are on 46. Um, and then you did, you know, you've got to look at who they've got left to play. What it says is that this weekend... The Brumbies are playing the Blues, which is the team that knocked them out last year. Mm-hmm. And the Reds are playing the Stormers. Massive weekend again, just as it was this weekend. I mean, the Reds, that's the third game they've had where they could have taken the conference lead. And depending on what the Blues do with the Brumbies, man, there's another potential one for the Reds. Um, what's not so pleasing, though, is that if you look at the New Zealand conference with the game in hand, you know, they're actually coming well past the Tars and they're well and truly catching the Reds. So, you know, we're potentially, you know, we're trying to get three Australian teams in. The New Zealand Conference is catching us very fast. The South African Conference isn't catching us as much. No. Mm. So it's the New Zealand teams we've got to worry about for are we going to get two and, you know, hopefully three teams in to the finals. Yeah, it's a toughie because if you look at those, you look at the bonus points. I'm kind of surprised just looking at those, but the Tars have only got two bonus points. Reds have got four. Uh, Brumbies have got six. You know, you've got those top three teams in New Zealand um, who are by and large are obviously a match behind us. Uh, Chiefs got eight. Crusaders have got six. Blues have got nine um, in there. So, and they, you know, bonus points have cost a lot of teams by the end of the season before, haven't they? Yeah. Yep. Um, well, if you, if, you, if you look at it, you'd, you'd reckon the Stormers are gone from South Africa. Mm. You'd reckon they can't get there. But if they beat the Reds this weekend and, say, the Blues beat the Brumbies, you know, we're going to struggle. We'll just get one. Mm. It looks like we're probably on track for only getting one team in the finals. No. So... Whoa. Calamity. Right here, guys. Look, um, so another crunch. We'll, we'll, we'll go into more detail on that and obviously what the layoff means and, um, and the players moving away as well because there are other things we need to kind of factor in. Um, probably next week, I'd say. We've had a pretty full show. One announcement we've got to make, which people might be interested in, there's something happening in May called the Sports Business Club Panel. 
the sports business club runs a, a number of different things and what they're focusing on this time around is there's going to be a panel and they did and the topic for the panel is unleash the lions the future of super rugby uh so it, the blurb says here with a f- rugby focus at a time when upcoming british and irish lions tour has put the game in the spotlight panelists for this interactive discussion include former wallaby and new south wales waratah al baxter uh, aau ceo bill pulver Greg Peters, who's at Sansa CEO, and uh, Greg Clark. Um, so this panel is going to get together, and basically the whole idea is let's talk about the future of Super Rugby, where it's going. It's on Thursday, the thirtieth of May, and it's uh, members price thirty five bucks, non members forty five bucks. But it, I'm going to be there. Um, it sounds like there could be some interesting discussion uh, going on because I think the future of Super Rugby in Australia is. Uh, in a pretty interesting state at the moment, if what is I hear is to be believed, um, financially at least. Um, so you can get tickets from that if you go to the uh, website, which is um, sportsbusinessclub.com.au. So you'll be able to find that there. Anyway. Mate, mate what's the title of the thing? It's called, the, it's called Unleash the Lions, the Future of Super Rugby. So actually, why, are we, why are we promoting the Lions? They've got to beat the Kings to get back in. <laughs> you, you think this is like a yeah this is like a uh, sorry yeah like i couldn't a, resist was it what was those armbands it's the uh, unleash the lions armbands just, justice justice for the lions yeah um actually the only other thing i was going to say is you you might have seen on the week uh, on the pod uh, sorry the pod the um the the uh, website during the week uh we had some rare footage of the 89 tars um, and that was unearthed because there's the Laffin Long Lunch, which is happening on, I think it is the uh, 16th of June. It's the Thursday before um, the Tars playing the Lions. Um, it's for a charity. Uh, it's at the Tattersalls Club. Um, anyway, if you're interested, because basically it's going to be the reunion of the 89 Tars, who went very, very close to beating the Lions. And it was a complete stellar, stellar lineup. So you had Far Jones. It was actually Phil Kern's first game picked out of subbies um, to play for the Waratahs. Um, then you had all the rest, Poitavan, um, and, and that kind of uh, Waratah back row. Uh, who else did you have? You had Campisi, you had Lloyd Walker, Marty Roebuck at fullback. I mean, it was, yeah, you had, uh, and in that back row, Scott Goulet was, was a hell. Anyway, 13 out of the 15 guys are turning up at the lunch, and then a bunch of the 2001 Waratahs are coming as well. So, I mean, that's going to be great. Um, that's going to be another one to look at. If you want details, look at the website. You'll see where the video is for the 89 TARS, rare footage, um, and you'll find a link to the Matt Laffin uh, website there. So, anyway, that's the announcements done. Guys... No, no, I've got an announcement. Oh, go, mate. Uh, so, and you know this, Matt, but uh, over the last month or six weeks, I've spent a lot of time looking at Lions games in the past, Northern Hemisphere rugby, and over the next two weeks, going to put out a, a series, which is a five-part series, looking mm. at the Lions, what what I think will be the Lions, and you know their different combinations, but how they've played. So we sort of get a bit of an idea of an introduction to the team you should be looking at when they play the Barbarians, when they play the lead-up games, but also who I think will be the Lions team for the first test and why. And there's there's video footage in there, but you know there's a bit of detail about what I think the Lions will come with, and you know based on what our squad is, what we'll go back at them with. Um, 
So I'm going to start that on Tuesday, um, and it's a five-part series building through. You know, I'm going to start with the front row and the scrum, and then the locks and the line-out, etc., and go through and and look at you know just to give you a bit of introduction as to what I reckon you can expect coming out. And I've I've watched that many games of Northern Hemisphere rugby. Um, to sort of take away some of the pain for you in watching that. <laughs> and, you know, you'll see some video of, of the key players and and also some surprising way. And, my, Matt, you wrote a bit of a preview article of it last week mm. in terms of what will be played. And, you know, the more I watch, the more I think that either Robbie Deans is just conning us all with his direct play that the Lions are going to come with or he hasn't watched as much as he should have because... Um, I don't think they're going to be a direct, boring team. I reckon we're in for... A, if you think that, I reckon you're in for a bit of a surprise. So mm. get a chance to look at each section. We'll start with the front row and the scrum. I'll show you some of the uh, the scrums that they've put together against Australia and what they've done in the past, who the players are that I think, and then we'll work through each part of the team. So that starts on Tuesday. Excellent. And that and the timing of that is it runs right up until the Lions' first game um, against the Barbarians, so you'll know exactly what you're looking for um, yeah, so by the, the time you've gone through all of that. Yeah, when you watch the Barbarians game, you can look for players that I think the Lions will go with and watch what they're doing and, and watch some of the Lions' game plans. Will they give it all away in the early games? No, I don't know about that. They might they might show us one thing and do another in the test matches, but um depends who they pick. Mm, okay. Well, that's going to be a beauty. I'm looking forward to reading those. Um, so, and just on those two links, um, I'll put them in the podcast post as well. So if you're interested in either of those two, the panel or the lunch, um, you'll be able to find a link to it there. All right, guys, uh, really appreciate you coming on. And I appreciate everyone who's downloaded or streamed live. Get involved. Leave us um, feedback. Um, and uh, we'll uh, talk to you again next week. We'll see you, fellas. Thanks, Bring everyone. Yeah. Yeah, right there, right there.